Welcome back to the Goalie Corner presented by One Stop Goaltending. I'm your host, Michael Hales, and today we have Patrick Killeen on with us. Patrick played, I should have this written down. Uh, how many years did you play overall in the East Coast and Italy? It was, I played seven years professional. So yeah, three years in North America and then another four years over in Europe. Right. And you just recently started your coaching journey. So we'll get into that. Yep. First off, welcome to the podcast. Um, thank you for coming on. We uh, we met each other at the Hockey Canada Goalie Coaching Seminar uh, June, right? Yeah. I think that was June. And uh, stayed in touch rather decently. But yeah. um, again, welcome. And why don't you give us a little bit of brief description on who you are and your hockey career journey yeah so uh thanks for having me i'm pretty excited to uh be a part of this it's been a while since i've uh done any media stuff so it's it's it's, uh it's fun and and i like what you're doing i think it's great to kind of get this stuff out there for for goalies It's, it's such an overlooked position in a lot of ways and you know, my outlook on it is, is if, if you can give people any advice to kind of help out, not just with the on-ice stuff, but the off-ice stuff too, and kind of all the transitions that come with it from, you know, going from junior to pro or pro into retirement and all that stuff is, uh, is nuanced to say the least. So, you know, I'm happy to be here and talk a bit about it. Um, I'm from the Ottawa area, so I grew up in a small little town, played uh, competitive, you know, double-A hockey growing up, which is the same as triple-A now. Uh, played four years in the OHL for the Brampton Battalion. I uh, was lucky enough to be drafted uh, in 2008 by the Pittsburgh Penguins and signed my first pro contract with them in 2010. Uh, played three years pro uh, up and down in the East Coast in the American League, uh, Wheeling and Wilkesbury. Um, ended up going to school after that at Carleton University, got a degree in criminology. And then moved over to Europe, did two years in Italy and two years in the UK. And then COVID happened and kind of went into a, a nice early retirement and then transitioned into the uh, into the real world, so to speak. So now I've just been, uh, you know, working a, a regular day job and and just recently got back into coaching and and now running my own small goalie school, uh, Patrick Lean Goaltending out of the Ottawa Valley and and then just kind of getting used to all the fun stuff that that has to offer fun indeed is it a little different in the sense you hear about people whl ohl and the q right like they don't have access to the um ncaa yeah but is it when you actually get past the entry-level contracts is it pretty normal that guys okay they understand that they might not be able to make a push to the next level and they go back to their schooling? I think you're seeing it more and more. Like when I played, it's kind of unfortunate because they changed the rule right after, which would have been nice, but I, I essentially lost a year of eligibility for every year pro that I played. So I guess oh. you start with five. And then when I played three years pro, I ended up with two years eligibility left. And I also had to sit out a full year from my last pro game. So when I went to Carleton, um, I mean, 2013 or 2014, I had to sit a full year out where I was just basically a full-time student. We had three goalies on the team. I was the fourth goalie. So um, I would get out maybe Tuesday, Thursday mornings with the goalie coach type thing and then kind of transition back into playing the year after was 
was really fun for sure but it was kind of interesting but I tried to make the most of it like I always looked at it like I was going to play pro hockey after that was my goal I just wanted to take care of myself with and have a plan to kind of go back on when you know eventually you're not playing anymore um, so my push was either American League or East Coast or go over to Europe and I needed I knew there was things that I could have done better I was really happy with my three years pro before I went to school don't get me wrong but as far as my development there was things that I needed to work on as a goalie to to get better and that allowed me the opportunity to especially the first year when I wasn't playing games to really break things down and re revamp the way I played. I was not a very technical goalie. Um, I played very just feel style. You know, I wasn't opposed to stacking the pads and poke checking and doing all that stuff. I just went out and battled. Um, but the technical stuff was lacking and that year was spent exclusively on relearning the game. So it served me really well. I was a significantly better goalie leaving school than I was going into it. And I had, I was really lucky to have the goalie coaches I had. I had Tom Dempsey and Mark Cavlin, like two guys that were two of the best goalie coaches I worked with. And I was able to work with them every day. Um, so I was always told the first contract is hard, but the second contract's harder. And that was the case for me. It, it bottlenecks. You're not just competing with the same people you were competing against for, with before, but you're dealing with a whole new group of goalies coming out of junior, coming out of college that all want to play pro. And you know, when teams are looking at you like, well, you were good, but not quite good enough to get in the NHL in those three years. But maybe this 19 year old coming out of junior is right. So that second contract's the hardest one to get far and away. Um, and I think you see a lot of guys kind of use that as the opportunity to jump back to school, maybe get a, a degree and then and then kind of move forward from there. Right. So I was happy with it. I, I really don't regret my decision at all. I think it was one of the best decisions I ever made actually in hockey was to go to school at that time. And I was close to not doing it. So I'm really happy I did, but it worked out well for me. I'm sure as a, if you were reliving that time, it was an interesting mentality because you're walk, you're almost forced to walk away for a year. Mm -hmm. Right. And just do the practices and the technical side and become a normal person we could say yeah right? and then or you can try to grind it out and find a contract somewhere in the east coast yeah yeah right? for sure and Thing. like be not be attached to the nhl team yeah and like the thing i was trying to avoid and again i'm happy it worked out the way it did because i was I, I had a contract over in kazakhstan that i was really considering <laughs> and i'm happy i didn't as much as a cool as, of an experience as that would have been i'm happy i made the right call and went to school um but yeah like you're just trying to work through so much through those first couple years pro you're learning so much like you're just i was 19 years old my first year pro and wasn't old enough to get a beer when down in the states right and and uh there's a lot to learn. You think you know it all when you're 19, 20, but you really don't, obviously. And uh, and it was really nice to go to school and spend that first year just, like you said, like just just a student, you know, I just going to class. I wasn't associated with anything and just, I really enjoyed being a student. And there were times where it crossed my mind, like maybe, maybe this is it, you know, maybe I, I don't play here next year. Maybe I just get my degree and I just kind of move on with life. Um, that only lasted for maybe a month or two before I really missed what you get from being a, a goalie specifically. And, and eventually that's where I kind of put my sights on. I was like, you know, I'm going to go 
I'm going to play pro again. I'm going to work my butt off and I'm going to make that happen. Um, but it's certainly not a, it's not always an easy journey. As soon as it becomes a job, it, it's a job. And then you're dedicating a lot of time into being the best you can be on and off the ice, but there's always someone there chasing you down. And I really just didn't want to fall into the situation where I was, and not that there's anything wrong with it, but I didn't want to play till I was 35 in the East Coast and then end up trying to find a job without a degree, right? And I had to know who I was as a person. There's a lot of people out there, and I played with a lot of them that land on their feet because they're just extroverted people and they're just going to be successful, right? I'm a very quiet, introverted person. I wasn't going to land in a sales job or anything like that. I needed to figure something else out. So that degree was something that helped me progress um, on and off the ice. And now I can, you know, at least have gainful employment now that the hockey career is done. It's kind of funny to see, like, when you go, the difference between, like, junior hockey, I came out of college when I went pro, but the junior hockey lifestyle from the WHL to OHL to pro or even college to pro. Like, yeah. I remember walking in and the only guys, the only thing guys were talking about were uh, when's the paycheck coming and <laughs> when can we leave the rink? And I said, they're like, don't you guys like love this? Like, let's enjoy it. Like, this is exciting. They're like, yeah, yeah no, just do your job and go home. Right. Yeah. And it, I mean, that's what I mean about it turning into a job at that point. Right. Is like, Junior is still very much, you get a taste of it where you become an you asset. Meet almost. Yeah. An you're an asset, asset at that point. You can be replaced, but I mean, they're in it to, to make money for sure, right? Like there's no doubt that when you're playing junior hockey and you're playing in front of 4,000 or 10,000 people, wherever you are, that that organization is trying to put the best possible product on the ice. And if you're not part of that equation, then they will find someone who is, of course. Pro is like that, but magnified significantly, especially yeah. the higher levels you play. And I know I always talk to goalies about how, like when you're playing minor hockey, you're most guys were probably the best in their area or the best in their team or whatever. When you go to junior, that's how everyone was, right? They were all the best in their area or the best in their teams. And you're competing now against every goalie in Ontario in the last four years, right? Between 16 and 20. Well, now when you go play pro, you're competing against essentially every goalie in the world between the ages of 20 and 35, if they can still play. That is a big group of people for not a lot of spots. And that's just the reality of goaltending is there just isn't a lot of spots. Um, so that that's always difficult, of course, is like there's no there's no respite from that. Like even my first year pro, I beat six people out of the starting job just to have the seventh guy eventually take it later. You know, it's the second you get complacent, there's someone there biting at your heels. And that's just the reality of it. Um, there's nothing you can really do about it, but put your best product on the ice and try not to worry too much about it and, and enjoy it while you got it, you know, work hard and, and have fun. And if you're looking at it negative all the time, uh, it's going to impact your play and it's going to be counterproductive. So you've just got to find a way to enjoy it, find a way to lean into it, understand the reality of it and, and put your product on the ice. Absolutely. When you were playing East coast and overseas, I was never like this, but did you have 
the mindfulness to like zoom out and appreciate what you've accomplished in the moment? Or were you always kind of like, what's next? That's a good question. I, I had a huge shift in the way I approached the game. That's why, like I mentioned earlier, like those three years that I spent at Carlton, even with the one year not playing were, were so good for me on and off the ice. I, I completely shifted my outlook on the way I approached the game. And those first three years when I was under contract with Pittsburgh playing in the East Coast, playing in the American League, I enjoyed it big picture. Sure, I don't have any regrets about it, but it's difficult. And I had a lot of times where I let that negativity bring me down into the ditch with it, right? Where it was hard to enjoy moment to moment. It was hard when your identity is a good goalie, what happens when you're no longer a good goalie at times? And that's you're the way it's going to be as a goal. You're not always going to be great and you're going to go through rough patches and the East coast hockey league is a, is a fun league to play in, but it's a difficult league to play in just for the fact that that's just the way it is. Right. So when I went to school, I completely shifted my outlook on it. I said, if I am lucky enough to have the opportunity to play pro hockey again, I'm going to really take advantage of every moment that I'm, that I'm there able to do it. And that's more or less what I was able to, to do for those four years, be more objective about it, put the work in on the ice, put the work in off the ice. But yeah, like lean into those days off where you can enjoy and go hiking in the mountains or go have a coffee on a patio in the, in the Italian Alps or whatever, you know, like I really am grateful that I was able to look at things a little more objectively and have more fun and have more fun on the ice. And, you know, I do wish I would have learned that earlier, but that's probably one of the reasons I got into coaching too, right? Is I can kind of bring that, to light a little bit with these guys because you got to enjoy it, you know? Yeah. How did you end up going from Carlton to, um, I can't think of the place called Ritten? Yeah. In the Alps League? Yeah, yeah, Ritten. Um, I North Italy, if anybody's looking at a map right now. The very tip of the north. Yeah, like they spoke, I spent all summer with, um, one of those apps trying to learn Italian just to find out that I got there and no one on my team spoke Italian. They all spoke German. So <laughs> it didn't do me much good. And German's a great language, not the easiest one to learn though, especially coming out from uh, the Ottawa Valley. So um, I ended up there, like I said, I knew I wanted to play pro at that point and Europe was a great option because I mean, it's a more lifestyle for what I was looking for at the time. And I think it's a little easier to make a living with consistency, right? Like if you're right. going to the East coast, you're accepting the fact that you're probably going to deal with some transfers or trades throughout the year. You're going to deal with getting called up, sent down. All those things are great. But for what I was looking for, I just wanted to go play pro hockey, enjoy it, make a living out of it, play, play good hockey every day, meet some new people and have some new life experience. And I was really lucky with Carlton. We had a subsidized trip by the school to Europe. So we paid a little, but the school paid the majority of it. And we flew over and played uh, three exhibition games. We were in Garmesh in Germany. Um, and we played Ritten, so the same team that I ended up signing with. And then we played uh, Kitzbühel in Austria. So we played three games over the course of 10 days. Um, I ended up getting the start against. Uh, written and they had a really good team they ended up winning the championship that year um 
I think it was funny that I ended up playing there because the guys talked to me about it after. They thought it was a friendly. They showed up a little hungover, relaxed, just ready to play a game. There wasn't many fans or anything. It was just like a, whatever you want to call it, a friendly match. And we showed up ready to win. <laughs> we took the best player out of the game in the first five minutes with this massive open ice hit. And then they were kind of like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing it this way. And they were a really good team. We ended up winning 2-1 and, uh, or maybe 3-2. But um, I played quite well. I was happy with how I played. And sure enough, the season ended. We went to nationals that year with Carlton. And a couple of weeks later, I got a call from uh, their GM. And yeah, the rest is history. I ended up signing there a couple of weeks later and going through the whole process. And that's where I ended up. And then two years there too. It was a great spot. What was the game style like or the difference between North American hockey and going to Italy? It's, um, that league was interesting. Like it was the first year where they did it, where they combined Italy with the second league in Austria. So it was the top league in Italy combined with the second league in Austria and a couple teams from Slovenia. Um, they brought in four imports um, for each team. So with only four imports, they were pretty high quality. And the way that it, at least the leagues that I played in, it seemed like it was almost a two-tiered league in the sense that the top four or five teams were really, really good with some excellent imports. And then the bottom teams, there just wasn't as much depth with the Italian players. Um, they'd still get some great imports for sure, but not every game was as challenging. It was different going to play one team. It could be an absolute, you know, barn burner of incredible hockey. And then the next night you could win, you know, nine, one and outshoot them 55 to seven. So I, I really enjoyed that league. I thought it was really well run. Um, the hockey was, the hockey was good. It was fast, very fast. What it was really surprised me was the amount of depth that Italy did offer. Like the players that they had that were good were really, really good, which was surprising. Great. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, like it's, it's so close to Austria that there is a lot of culture shared between that. Like they're their own thing. Like, Sudtirol and it's a little province up there so they're not really Italian Italian in that sense but the amount of people that played hockey was fairly small but their development was really cool like they brought them in at a young age and equipment was provided and kind of the the pro team would run the junior programs as well so all the way down so you'd start as, as a young age as in the junior program and you'd get up and then play junior eventually 15 16 and hopefully you're, they're developing you to eventually play on the pro team. Um, but the guys that were there were, were really, really good. The imports were good. Um, I was lucky enough to win the championship that year, which was one of the best memories I had over there. But um, yeah, a little bit, little bit faster, a little less contact, a little less fighting, but it was certainly quite gritty still and, and highly skilled. And no, it was lots of fun to play there. Are they on Olympic sized ice? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. They were on big ice and they had some guys that could fly and that was an adjustment as a goalie, like angles, right. And just the amount of available space that they had, there was a lot more, a lot more rushes because a lot of more breakdowns with that bigger ice, uh, yeah. a lot more like East West plays and um, it was just harder to smother guys as a defenseman. So you'd see like, instead of that gap control, more likely they were going to get that shot off at the top of the circle where in the East coast, it was going to be stick on puck, you know, or in right. a, a pool. So it was different, but uh, 
I loved the European style. I thought it was great. I had I had a ton of fun over there. Um, moving on just a little bit, you went from written to the EIHL for two yeah. years, which is uh, England, right? Yeah, 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 the UK. What prompted that change? Um, I was looking for a bit of a change. Like, I loved Italy. I could have easily played there forever. Like, I had the best organization in the world in Italy. They were incredible. Um, loved every second of it. Loved everything about the culture, everything about the guys I was playing with. Won a couple championships there. But I wanted to kind of progress and see where I was going to end up, right? Um, the goal for me at the beginning was to end up in Germany or Finland or Sweden or, or one of those top tier leagues. I, I wanted to get there. Um, my son was born in Italy my last year and he had some congenital heart defects when he was born there. And it was a difficult thing with the language barrier. So that was the reason why we ended up in the UK. Like I was hoping to go to Austria or Germany um, and kind of see where it went from there. And uh, we just weren't sure what it was going to be like with the uh, healthcare and the language barrier and all that stuff. But we actually considered retirement. And then um, the coach called from Milton Keynes and thought, hey, they speak good English there. They got a good enough healthcare system. I think we can make that work. And then, yeah, I mean, everything worked out pretty well. I was, uh, I was happy to play in that league too. It was a, it was a good league. Was it very different or because that league's been kind of up and coming each year, yeah. it's getting like stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah. Right. In 2018 to 2020, I think you're hitting the high point of that development process. Yeah. Yeah. I think it took a hit with COVID for sure. Yeah. Like I think there's such a big amount of people that retired um, right when that happened and they were unsure about um getting it was harder to get guys over at that point in time so you saw a lot like a lot more younger imports going the last couple of years it's still a great league but those two years i was there i felt like it was it was great um as far as the caliber of hockey it was like some of those top end teams had you know 2000 nhl games on their roster more like guys that played in the nhl the year before and first round picks and guys that had 1500 nhl games on some teams like it was, it was good hockey. I enjoyed it. There were certain things about that league that did bother me. Like imagine playing pro hockey with those pegs that you just jam in the ice. They don't drill them in. Yeah. But not every That's rink. That's tough. Just That's two tough. or three rinks, but both rinks that I played in as my, like in Milton Keynes and Glasgow, they couldn't drill into the ice. I had so many delay of game penalties from knocking the net off. Like you couldn't <laughs> use the RVH. Like you had to completely play the game a different way because you'd knock the yeah. net off every time. Um, so stuff like that just drove me nuts. Um, but outside of that, like you kind of take the good with the bad. It was more a good experience than a bad one. There's certain things that I wish they would do differently. There's not a lot of protection there. Like there's, I think 11 teams in that league when I played there and I think there was nine or 10 goalies cut both years, like each year, wow. not total, like, but some teams would cut, go through four or five goalies and some teams would go through maybe two or three and whatever, but you had no real protection. Like if you didn't play well, it was two weeks of pay and a, and, and a flight home. And that's all it was. Whereas, you know, in Germany, you're getting 
bought out of that contract or whatever, 80% of it, and then you can go sign somewhere else. But you didn't have that in the UK, which I thought was kind of bad, obviously. Like you're bringing your whole family over there, a lot of those guys, and especially in goaltending, like you want to be in a situation where you can get cut and sent home, you know, two weeks pay, see you later. So there were certain things that I think they could do better, but overall, you know, it, it was a good experience, you know, for sure. What is it like going to places like that and walking into a hockey rink? Like this is off the cuff and I don't know why I thought of it, but <laughs> if you're downtown London, like what does a hockey rink look like in London? Yeah. So I actually played in Milton Keynes, which was, I think the closest team to London or one of the closest, we were only like 45 minutes to an hour. It was kind of a suburb of London. They had a train that went directly to London every morning. So a lot of people that lived in or worked in London lived in Milton Keynes. Um, Our rink would be pretty similar to like a junior B or junior A rink in Canada. Like it wasn't, the seats went all the way around, but they didn't go all the way down to ice level, probably sat, 2500 people if you really jammed them in there uh we were getting i think we had the lowest attendance in the league or one of them we're averaging just over a thousand people but the fans we got were incredible it was one of the best atmospheres i actually played in in milton Keynes. they had the barmy army going and they were loud and drums and everything i loved it um but it's it's kind of funny you go to i think dundee the rink's like a hundred and something years old and it's cold it's it's a great place to play because it's like oh this is really cool and they get some great fans it's a fun atmosphere but you could play there on friday and then go to glasgow on saturday and you're playing in this brand new rink in a shopping center right outside of glasgow in front of four thousand people and you go to belfast on a sunday and their rink's basically like the american league like they had a beautiful fifteen thousand people rink in belfast right downtown on the water um and they'd get, you know, eight to 10,000 on a Saturday night. It was just funny. You never knew what you're going to walk into that, that night, whether you're in Manchester or Belfast or Coventry, it was always different. It was always a good atmosphere and the fans they got were super passionate. Um, but yeah, you got some rinks where it was maybe tougher than others to do, do your warm up a little bit colder, a little bit, a uh, little bit different for sure. You felt the bones aching, eh? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, How's the transition been from being an athlete into being a coach? Uh, It's been good. I actually kind of fell into coaching. Like it was just such a blur the way it happened. Like we had, I think we played on Saturday, my last year playing and like COVID was a thing, obviously. And we had known it was going to affect something, but we weren't sure what the details were. Um, So we had played like a Saturday night. And then I think we went, to the rink on Monday for practice and our whole season was canceled halfway through practice. And then it was like three days later on a plane home uh, back to Canada. Uh, I think every player in Scotland was on the same plane. There were, must've been 15 of us Canadian and American guys on the same plane because we were flying through Toronto and um, right into quarantine for six months or whatever it was lockdown. Um, Basically, we were just trying to find a way, my wife and I, like she was working remotely. So she was able to do a little bit of her stuff online, which was good. Um, But like, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Right. So we were trying to figure out a way to kind of get those next steps. We had a a three-year-old or trying to buy a house or whatever, all that stuff. Um, Tough time to do it. 
And I ended up working where I am now uh, in a full-time job, but it was shift work. And I didn't want to do that forever. Shift work was tough. I work an hour away from home. It wasn't going to last. And I ended up getting asked to help out um, for a coach that my brother used to play for with AAA hockey. And it was just supposed to be his team. And then it turned out to be the whole organization. Did four teams last year. And I, I loved it. It was so great, especially the development side. That's where I like it, where you're working with the same goalies throughout the year and you're working through their problems with them. You're chatting with them so much more than just uh, edge work and, and goalie drills. You're talking about how they're doing at school and, and how they're feeling with their game and working through those things. So I loved it. And then I thought, well, I might as well just transition this into the summer as well. Like if it's something I'm enjoying, why not? make a little business out of it so that's what I did and so far it's been good it's uh as you know certainly lots of challenges that come with it when you're doing everything but I, I've enjoyed it it's been it's been a great experience tons of personal growth and new skills that I'm learning and and uh dealing with people but you know I'm lucky the goalies I work with are fantastic and uh it's been a good little transition is it surprising when you think back to when you're some of their age just the difference in either how they acted or how you think maybe just how you thought you acted compared to what's going on now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it is funny to kind of tie it back to how you were at the same age and yeah. just kind of the things you were going through and, and, and it's, it's hard not to like, even how recently I had played getting into coaching. I just have such a hard time still putting myself in their shoes right like and that used to drive me nuts as a goalie when I would talk with goalie coaches but like tell you this is what you should have done like oh this is why I saw it this way and now I kind of have to catch myself doing it the same way or I'm like you know what yeah like you're the one driving the bus you're the one making the saves um it's a lot easier to watch a game and tell a guy what to do than it is to be in that moment you know second to second making decisions and and uh and then just trying to give yourself the best chance to save the puck, right? So that's something that I've been working on personally. But the, like I said, the goalies I've I've been lucky enough to work with so far have been very, I don't want to say su surprising, but I had not worked with kids at that age in a long time. Like I've had, I've done lots of coaching up until now, but it was always kind of in small doses, helping out at camps and helping yeah. out practice, that that type of stuff. So to be out there one-on-one -on -one and come up with the drills and stuff, I, I just was really surprised with how much effort they want to put into it to get better. And it's not necessarily everyone, but a lot of these goalies, I had goalies ask me to do edge work and stuff like that. Like that was fantastic. Like, yeah, sure. We can do edge work today. Like no pucks, just 20 minutes, just get better. Um, but like where I am, the, the attitudes they have towards the game are great. And if I can kind of, help them sharpen a few things or look at things a little more objectively or through a different lens, then, then I'm happy as a coach. That's awesome. I think it's the hardest thing transferring or transitioning from the player to the coach mentality is taking the step back and you now have to be able to describe something. Yeah. Like 13, 13 different ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then be okay if that, the athlete doesn't like it you just put it on the shelf and you're like okay we'll revisit it another day yeah right for sure and 
I mean, you know, as well as I do, how nuanced the position is, right? Like there's, yeah. I don't there's know. No, if, there's no, there's right. no right or wrong way yeah. of stopping a puck, right? Yeah. It's just easy and hard. And based on who you are as an athlete determines what's easy and what's hard. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. Like, you got to give them the freedom to figure it out, what works best for them. And, and that's tough as a coach because, you know, you want it done a certain way and maybe that doesn't work with one goalie, if, but it works perfect with another. Um, you're, you're constantly adapting, trying to figure out the best way you can cater to each goalie as an individual to make them better or the best version of themselves or whatever it is. Um, but it's just so much more when you look at, like I always consider it, there's like, a big piece of being a good cohesive goaltending and we can only touch on some of it on the ice when we're working with goalies, right? Like, sure. If you're have better feet and you have better edge work, you're going to be a better goalie, right? That's just, just absolutely no doubt, but you could have the best edge work in the world, but your hand eye coordination sucks. You're not going to be a great goalie. Or if you have those two things in spades, your edge works fantastic. Your hand eye coordination is amazing, but, you don't have the endurance to play a 60 minute game or you're inconsistent or you don't have the mental toughness to play big when it matters. All there's just so much that goes into it. It's such a simple position when you talk about the fact that we have one job, keep the puck out of the net, but somehow just gets so complicated when you kind of dissect that to see how many different things go into being a good goalie and like a cohesive package, especially when, it's a razor thin margin between goalie A and goalie B and goalie C. You know, like an NHL goalie to an American League goalie is very, very little difference, right? So challenging the coach. Absolutely. And that reminded me of something, I believe it was Ian Clark. Let me see if I can pull it up real fast. He has like a, um, there's seven areas of goaltending that you need to master. Do you follow in goal? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. So they had like a big goalie, uh, what was it called? Goal Palooza, goalie Palooza. Like all the um, all the big brands come, all the big um, goalie coaches go, and it's like a demo day for any of the gear that you want to do. Oh, cool. Right? Yeah. And I don't know exactly how they worked in Vancouver because it was going on when we were in Calgary. Okay. And um, In Goal Magazine podcast had a live show going on, a live recording. And they ended up putting, on, putting that on their subscription platform, which is mm -hmm. only 50 bucks a year. Okay. Which is nuts. But it was Ian, Ian Clark broke down his seven principles of goaltending. And that's what that reminded me of. And I think it was the most accurate description of what you need as a goalie. Like it was generalized, but it was the most accurate. Yeah. So I would urge people to go find that and listen to it. Yeah, I'll, I'll track that down for sure. That sounds great. But just wrapping up here. If you could go back going into your first year of pro hockey, what's a piece of advice that you would tell yourself not change anything just give yourself a little bit of advice oh that's a great question that's a tough one um like i guess it's tough to say without making any 
changes. So I wouldn't change it, but I would, I would have put more focus on the outside approach of like the mental side of the game, if that makes sense. I would have, I would have tried to put together a more cohesive off ice routine that was simpler. I was okay. so intense, like, and that was something I learned and, and I just burnt out. Like I was drinking a pot of coffee, pacing the pace in my bedroom, thinking about making saves, you know, from 8 a.m. until morning skate. And when I got home, same thing. And that's not sustainable at all. So finding a way to do it, which I was lucky enough to be able to do for the last bit of my career, but just find a way to enjoy it and look at it objectively and, and realize what you what you have to do out there and and find a better way to to do it right like there's so many ways to approach the game and I've played with a lot of really good goalies and heard of a lot of really good goalies and they all have different routines they all like to have a different type of level for their high performance zone or whatever you want to call it that sweet spot where you're going to play well and I think it would have been good for me to find that sweet spot earlier and find how it worked Cause like I said, my sweet spot was so intense. Like if I didn't have my heart rate at like 150, like just so stressed out and dialed in and stuff, it was, uh, it, you know, it would have been a bad game. Whereas when I learned that later on, I was going in super relaxed, like almost aloof, like just right. super chilled out. And, and that translated into a lot better performances, a lot more consistency and overall my enjoyment of the game went up drastically i loved it my last four years i would have played forever just loved it and uh i couldn't always have said that when i was playing earlier right like i i loved it sure but it was hard at times right that's just the nature of goaltending and lastly would have been take care of the body a little bit more like i'm doing okay for the age i'm at now i, I don't it doesn't hurt too much to get out of bed i'm still able to do stuff but i wish i would have started earlier with like yoga I started doing that in pieces at the beginning, but not enough. And now I'm 33 and I do it a lot more consistently. And I feel better than I did when I was 20. I feel more flexible and body feels better. So that's actually a big piece of advice that I give the goalies I work with. Like, just take care of yourself. It's such a tough position on the body. And I love yoga. That's my thing. That's what I would tell people to go do for sure. Like, it's such a great tool to have all the flexibility and strength throughout that entire range of motion, the mental benefits of it, being able to slow yourself down, do your breathing. And then you can kind of translate that into hockey too, right? You let in a bad goal, a couple of deep breaths and move on. Um, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a great little way to uh, sharpen, sharpen yourself off the ice. It's a little bit of a cheat code, eh? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's the best. Yeah. Uh, I had a question, but I instantly forgot it. Oh, <laughs> when you say outside of the box, uh mental training what do you mean by that just like the way i meant it was kind of i was so boxed in on the game like like visualizing every oh, detail. and i love visualization i i'm i'm a huge visual yeah, visualization yeah. guy i i try and get goalies aware of it like positive self-talk and just even if it's five ten minutes just imagine yourself making a save or two on the car ride there with your parents you know when yeah. you got your headphones in, you're thinking about the game. Just just think about yourself having success that night and stuff. But I was going too far with that. And, you know, when I, my second and third year junior, I was splitting time. I was playing 
30 something odd games a year. It was doable, but my last year junior, I think I played like 64 out of 68 games. And I was burnt out for a year after that. Like that was exhausting when I was approaching it the way I was approaching it. And then pros not much better, right? Like I think I played 30 or 40 games each year pro, but they come in bunches because you know, you're splitting time with another guy on an NHL contract. And when he gets called up for a month, you're playing every game that month. You might play 18 games in February, you know, in 28 days and 18 different places. So you got to find a way to make it sustainable. And I wish I had known that earlier to just take a step back and enjoy it while you're there and just relax, like go out and do your job. It's, it's not a complicated job. Enjoy it when you can, you know? Yeah. The guys I was always jealous of in juniors and college and pro really just my whole life are the guys that were able to kind of leave it at the rink. They were able to like check out and check back in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like that was a skill I didn't get until my last couple of years. And yeah. once you get that, it's automatic. Oh yeah. You're laughing at that point. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. I always love how much of these skills that we learn as goalies translate into real life. Yes. Um, that's one of the things that I'm grateful for. It's not, you know, when you're playing in your basement growing up, you want to play in the NHL, right? Or you want to, you're, you're imagining yourself. I used to imagine myself saving, uh, you know, someone on a slap shot in overtime with a second left to win the Stanley Cup or win the gold medal. And like, that's the goal. And that's great. But, you know, I, I think about, you know, I didn't get to that level. I didn't play any NHL games. I would have liked to, I would have loved to, but I didn't. But would that mean my career is a failure based on the parameters I set before. Like, no, I'm happy with it. And it's not just the career I had in hockey, but it's what it afforded me to learn off the ice, right? Like, especially as a goalie, the stuff that you're learning, like you just said, being able to compartmentalize everything and, and leave it at the rink, your, all these skills, your breathing techniques, the way you calm yourself down, the way you deal with pressure, like the way you're able to work as a team and all that stuff, like that's invaluable when you move on and, 99.99% of us that start the game, we're going we're gonna to live in the real world at some point. We're not going to play hockey for a living forever, right? Yeah. And uh, these skills are huge. They're huge skills to have. And it's something I like to talk to my goalies about is like, you know, you're prepping for hockey and you want to be the best hockey player you can be, but there's a lot of life to live when you walk away from the sport. And what, what are you going to be able to look back on and say, like, this is what it offered me. Did I enjoy it while I was doing it? What did I learn from it? And, you know, this experience is, is, is as great as it can be. A lot of guys, a lot of guys look past that stuff. And when it's all said and done, like, well, what did you do? What did you get from it? You know, that's fun stuff. It is fun stuff. Anyways, thank you for coming on. Uh, do you want to shout out like your social medias or anything like that? Oh man, I got like 43 followers on my, uh, my, my goalie school Instagram that I launched last week. So you want to follow me at clean goaltending on Instagram, feel free. Uh, I won't hold it against you if you don't, but uh, I put some content up there every now and then too. I'm not a big social media guy, but I know it's a necessary evil. And uh, yeah, clean goaltending. If you're in the Ottawa area looking for uh, a good little session and yeah, no, thanks a lot for having me. This was great. Really cool. It was a lot of fun.